أعوذ بالله من الشيطان العين الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين بارئ الخلائق أجمعين بعث الأنبياء والمرسلين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وطبيب نفوسنا وشفيع ذنوبنا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين المكرمين المنتجبين لا سيما بقية الله في الأراضين روحي وأرواح العالمين لتراب مقدمه الفداء ولعنة الله على أعدائهم أجمعين إلى قيام يوم الدين For the hastening and the return of our imam Let's recite the salawat اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم Today on the Iranian calendar the 14th of Khurdad marks the anniversary of the demise of the great leader that uh, affected all of us in a positive manner and all of us includes all those on the face of the earth <clears throat> those who know it and those who don't know it we were all affected those who saw him those who didn't see him those who saw him as children those who didn't even have that opportunity Everything after the advent of the Islamic Revolution led by the great and late Imam Khomeini rahmatullah alayh everything and everyone has been affected by that positively except for those who have turned against it and have hurt and are hurting themselves. So this week I think it's important that we pay our dues and for our own good. Imam Khomeini rahmatullah alayhi did not expect anything and as this was a divine gift, us recognizing it and reminding each other of what it was and what it is, the legacy of Imam Khomeini remains under the leadership of Ayatollah Khamenei, may Allah protect him and it continues. Reminding ourselves what that legacy was to make sure we maintain it, we sustain it, we nurture it, we nourish it, we hopefully become part of the growth and progress of the legacy of this man. What needs to be said in this regard, there's something very general that I'd like to mention and something specific uh, as an example or an instance, the most profound instance of that general quality that Imam Khomeini rahmatullah had and reflected. <clears throat> There's a term, anyone who is familiar with Imam Khomeini's language, speeches, terminology would definitely remember, and that is him repeatedly saying, Islam and Nabi Muhammadi, or the pure. Muhammadian Islam. He always repeated that term and said that's what we should all stand for, that's what we should all move towards, that's what we should all be looking for and implementing. So it's not just Islam, that term as is used today. There are two other versions of Islam that Imam Khomeini rahmatullah always warned against the Islam that is the Islam of tahajjur 
the Stone Age, if we may call it, or the Stony, if that is a term, uh, Islam. Tahajjur comes from the word Hajar, which means to be like stone, something that does not change. We can also call it conservative Islam. We'll talk about that a little bit. Imam Khomeini spoke against that form and that version of Islam. And the other Islam was American Islam, liberal Islam. He always called it American Islam, and then he explained liberal Islam. Islam that is mixed with non-Islam, and it's really not Islam, it's just the term is used for it. The same way that the first version of Islam that was mentioned was also not really Islam, it is something that's called Islam, but it's not Islam. So he warned against those two forms of Islam, the Islam of those who want to preserve a status quo of their understanding of Islam, a, an Islam that promotes uh, whatever within the religious circles their understandings are, their ways of life are, their cultures are protecting that and preserving that and being conservative in regards to that. And then the other, the American Islam being an Islam that wants to adopt liberalism, that wants to adopt Western ways, that wants to add those or use the superficial aspects of Islam to cover and to cloak the Western liberal ideologies and call it Islam because of the superficial aspects. And the Muhammadan, the pure Muhammadan Islam, the Islam that the Prophet brought uh, without any residue of anything else, that being what we need to strive for, what we need to grab a hold of what we need to adhere to, what we need to understand, what we need to believe in. Anyone who is familiar with what Imam Khomeini used to speak of can attest that these were some of the most frequently used terms of Imam Khomeini, the one that he told us that we need to support, we need to adhere to, we need to understand, we need to adopt in our minds, in our cultures, and so on and so forth. And the ones that we should avoid, we should be very concerned about and very careful not to slip into those other versions of Islam as they will lead to our destruction and annihilation. This was a very, very important quality that Imam Khomeini rahmatullah had. On one hand, he warned against an Islam that has developed certain codings uh, from whatever source they come from, but they are common within the current circles of ulama, of our cultures, whatever it may be. Keeping with them, sticking to them, being conservative towards them, because those are our current ways of understanding Islam, the residue that has accumulated over the centuries 
of gradually drifting away, and this is all, uh, this is not aiming at any particular school of thought. Any school of thought or any people or any scholar, anyone who decides that we are going to maintain the status quo understanding of Islam is entering this dangerous realm and is moving in a destructive direction. We are always in need of referring back to the sources of Islam, purifying our understandings of any form of outside influence that would be contamination compared to the pure Islamic teachings. Anything added to it is going to contaminate it, no matter who, when, why it was added. Anything added to it is contamination, pure Islam. Within the Muslim ranks, within the Ummah of Islam, understandings that want to preserve a certain status quo, again, be it Shia or Sunni, there are various examples, Imam Khomeini dealt mostly with Shia scholars. And what he says about some of those scholars, these are not the true Islamic scholars, but the ones who identify as scholars, by some are seen as scholars, but what they are pushing is a certain understanding of Islam that does not stem from the actual sources of Islam. An Islam that conforms to their liking, to their comfort zones. That is the Islam that is being promoted. Rhetoric and various arguments, excuses rather, are used to make it seem like Islam, make it seem like we are preserving Islam and this change. For example, the view that Imam Khomeini rahmatullah had with regards to music. There was a status quo and still to a great degree is a status quo and Shia understanding of the ruling of Islam regarding music that's not the Islamic view. And that's, that status quo looks down upon music, period. Musical instruments, according to that understanding, are identified as devilish, shaitani, and so they need to be avoided. If not outright haram, at least it's best for it to be avoided. That's the status, that was the status quo, and some are still trying to grab a hold of that and maintain that understanding and consider that to be the correct spiritual understanding of Islam. Imam Khomeini rahmatullah alayh fought against that. In regards to certain board games like chess, this is an example. There were certain uh, views that consider chess to be haram Imam Khomeini rahmatullah alayh fought against that ideology that wants to preserve a status quo. It's clearly not part of Islam. Just because a number of scholars have misunderstood that 
And for us to say this is the common understanding of ulama and therefore we're going to stick to it, what gives legitimacy to a common understanding of ulama if that does not conform with the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet and the sunnah of the Ahlul Bayt, the teachings of the Ahlul Bayt, Salamullah alayhim ajma'een, which are one and the same. The sunnah of the Prophet and the teachings of the Ahlul Bayt are one and the same. Trying to distinguish between the itra and the sunnah of the Prophet is either misunderstanding or feeding into what the enemies of Islam uh, want. There is no difference between them. Ali ibn Abi Talib is the one who knows the sunnah of the Prophet and everything he does reflects the sunnah of the Prophet and the teachings of the Qur'an. There's nothing that he has added to the sunnah of the Prophet. Absolutely nothing. And the same goes with the rest of the Imam Salamullah alayhim ajma'een. They are the source that guided us to the Islam that was brought by the Prophet in the form of the Qur'an and the sayings and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu they did not add anything to it. Everything they said was the sunnah of the Prophet and the Qur'an revealed upon the Prophet If a good number of ulama, even if all of the ulama come to a certain understanding about what Islam says on a topic, if that does not conform with, for whatever reason, these scholars came to that understanding, if it becomes clear that that is not the correct understanding of the Qur'an or the Sunnah of the Prophet, there, there is no legitimacy to the views of all these ulama and scholars. The views of scholars does not form another source of Islam. We don't have a third source for Islam. It's the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet. And the way we get that is the Ahlul Bayt, Salamullah alayhim ajma'een. The aql, the intellect, is there as a, an internal recipient of that knowledge that analyzes and understands that without that internal element of the aql, it would not be possible for us to process the Qur'an and hadith and to understand and comprehend it and then choose to go by it. That's the role of the aql, our intelligence, the recipient of divine knowledge in the form of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, there isn't a third source. In the aql, there's nowhere in fiqh that can be identified where the aql tells us the Qur'an didn't tell us, the Sunnah didn't tell us, aql tells us of this. No, there isn't. The Qur'an is very clear. Wallahu ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun. If our intellect was able to determine what right and wrong is independently, something that the Qur'an and the Sunnah don't tell us, we independently on our own identify that even if there is a hadith, we go against this. That's nowhere to be found. There are some theoretical discussions that there are different opinions on and different uh, approaches towards in usul uh, al-fiqh. However, in the process of fiqh, it's clear there isn't an instance where our aql understands something that our that does not come from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. There isn't any. The Qur'an and the Sunnah are what give us the guidance that we want. And whether the aql is an independent source as a third 
which some scholars have named, or not clearly, even a consensus amongst the ulama does not become a fourth source of Islam. Islam comes from the Quran and the Sunnah. Even if there were, which there isn't a consensus on any of these topics, but this notion that, oh, these ulama have said chess has been haram, and so it must remain haram. Based on what? That's not where we get Islam from. The Quran and the Sunnah are what, the, what Islam comes from. Sticking to an understanding of someone of Islam and making that Islam is shirk. That goes against Islam, that goes against the Quran. To try to preserve that status quo is what Imam Khomeini called tahajjur, being rigidness that, like a stone, you don't want to change, being a conservative to preserve a certain understanding that currently exists because of this person or that person. Open your mind, look back at the Quran. We need to constantly look back at the Quran, at the Sunnah, and find areas to improve our understanding, deepen our understanding, correct our understanding, find flaws in our understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah, but do so with genuine and sincere intentions of understanding exactly what God wants from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah of the Prophet given to us by the words of the Prophet through the Ahlul Bayt ajma'in and their conduct. Not trying to change from the common view of Shia scholars for instance or Sunni scholars or any Muslim scholars with the view that, oh, there are misunderstandings, this is old understandings, we need to have new understandings, but what is intended by that is to move towards a westernized understanding of Islam. Westernized understanding means to take, this is tafsir birra'i, to take western ideals, western values, western ways of life, and consider them as the profound and more modern in a positive sense, modernity somehow has become something positive. Modernity has nothing positive in it essentially and innately. Modernity is something that has happened, it needs to be evaluated. It's not positive or negative. To use something to be modern as uh, a Added value to something is, is a complete misunderstanding of modernity. It's not uh, modernism, it does not give value to anything. It's just another way of doing it. The process of evaluation of a theory, of a thought, of a philosophy, of a way of life, of political life, or what have you, has to be discussed. What's the way of evaluating? What's the process of evaluating? And based on logic, reason, the Qur'an, what God, the Creator, has given us is a standard based on which we evaluate whatever is there. To take the mistakes of certain scholars, certain understandings, identifying flaws with them, them, them being impractical, and then using that as leverage to move towards another wrong understanding 
which is based on considering modern Western values, Western ways of life to be ideal, and now interpreting the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet to conform with that Western ideal. This is the other, this is the American Islam that Imam Khomeini warned against. And he emphasized what's important is pure Muhammadan Islam. Nothing more, nothing less. No part of Islam is to be taken out of it because it does not conform with an old, outdated understanding of Islam and it cannot be taken out or added in order to conform with a new understanding, a new way of life, the American way of life, the Western way of life. Nothing can be taken out because it's not liked by this way of life. It cannot be taken out. Pure Muhammadan Islam. Nothing more, nothing less. This is a general quality in Imam Khomeini. As a leader, he led in this direction. This is very important for us to understand. Anyone who admires Imam Khomeini rahmatullah alayhi, needs to understand this is the most key, the most important aspect of Imam Khomeini. That he led us. He didn't just have this belief. There are scholars in academia, in the Hawzat, in the seminaries that have different theories, different thinkings, different thoughts. Some are correct, some are incorrect. But whatever they believe in, whatever they... It's kept within those circles, discussions, books. That's where it remains. Imam Khomeini rahmatullah alayhi led the masses in this direction. He impacted the globe with this ideology. For any of us who want to study Imam Khomeini, this aspect of Imam Khomeini is the most important, that he led based on this ideology, based on this understanding, this very correct understanding, and he impacted the globe, inshallah, we're all impacted, and we continue that line. As it is, he's not calling to himself, it's very simple logic. It's very simple to understand it. God has given us guidance through the Quran, the Prophet and the Ahlul Bayt. We need to identify through the right processes what their teachings are, what God has given us through the Quran and the other sayings and uh, the Sunnah of the Prophet and through the Ahlul Bayt who are the ones who have delivered that to us. Identify it and take it on board. The second point, which we said is going to be an instance, the greatest instance of that view of Imam Khomeini that he had, that aspect, that quality in Imam Khomeini wanting to move himself and lead nations in the direction of, which was, to identify exactly what the Prophet delivered from Allah, from God Almighty, in the form of the Quran, his teachings that were delivered by his itrah, as he mentioned himself, and the Quran mentions as well after him. The greatest instance of that 
was the Islamic Republic, the Islamic Republic. First, I need to explain how the Islamic Republic is an instance of pushing towards Muhammadan Islam. Let me remind those who are not aware, most of us, I think, are not aware or we have forgotten those who maybe lived during that time. In the process of determining or the conversations on a national level in Iran in regards to what the form of government should be after bringing down and taking down the monarchy that had been the form of government for centuries, according to some, for over two millennia, what should be the form of government? What type of government should we have? There were, there were conversations, there were discussions, there were debates. Imam Khomeini had a certain view. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And then there were uh, elections based on that view. Based on that view, there, were, there was a referendum about the form of government. Close to 100% of the people participated. Close to 100% of the people voted and casted their view as wanting the form of government that Imam Khomeini said, uh, which was an Islamic Republic. Now the term Islamic Republic as a term, not as what Imam Khomeini mentioned, was already there. There were other countries that had uh, formed new governments and they had called it an Islamic Republic. And what, why they called it an Islamic Republic, it should be looked into. However, it is clear that none of them were Muslim scholars who formed those governments. They were not mujtahideen. They were not people with deep roots in the Islamic uh, theology and uh, Islamic jurisprudence as Imam Khomeini was. So what they meant is a whole different thing. Why they chose those terms is uh, is not ours. But they didn't mean what Imam Khomeini meant. They didn't have the understanding that Imam Khomeini and the conduct of those other governments forming into whatever they were is a clear sign that they did not intend, they did not even understand the what Imam Khomeini understood of those terms. Imam Khomeini promoted and he said in those discussions and debates regarding what should be the form of government, some called it, they said it needs to be a democratic republic, some said it needs to be this, that, the various uh, versions and various views that were put forth. Imam Khomeini said that what we understand is that the form of government should be an Islamic republic, not one word more, not one word less. This combination of Islamic Republic is the form of government. Then he went on to say that the Republic part is not added to Islam. The word obviously is there. It says Islamic Republic. There's two words. One is Islamic, the other is Republic. Imam Khomeini said that the Republic part, which is the role of the people, the involvement of the people, people governing themselves through electing representatives, which is essentially what a republic is. Of course, in the Western uh, term republic, those are Western defined. That's the form of government currently in the Islamic Republic. 
and that's the way it can be done practically, a, what they define as a democracy where everybody is involved in every decision-making, that's impractical. I don't think I question the notion that it ever existed in any part, it ever existed in any part of the world, even for a day. <clears throat> but uh, the term in Arabic and in Farsi is uh, Farsi because we're talking about the Islamic Republic, which uh, the language is Farsi. Jumhuri. Jumhur means the majority. The equivalent they chose was Republic for Jumhuri. However, I'm not sure if that's an accurate equivalent. <clears throat> At least, literally, whether it is or it isn't, in political terminology in the West, a republic is a form of government that involves governance by representation. And what is at least intended by it these days is simply having elections. If a government provides an opportunity for the people to come to ballot boxes and to elect someone, that is the definition of a republic. These various forms of government, the U.S. and France and Germany and all these Western countries and non-Western countries, if they have, of course, with double standards, because when the people in Iran participate in elections, it's not considered a democracy, it's not considered a republic. When the people in Palestine, in Gaza specifically, when they elect Hamas as their uh, representatives, that is not uh, something that is considered a democracy and it's not considered a republic. Let's leave those double standards, just understanding what the West means by it. If there are elections, then that's enough. That's what uh, would constitute a government as being a republic. Jumhuri doesn't mean that. What Imam Khomeini meant and he said comes from Islam does not mean just having elections. Right? And that's why Imam Khomeini said these are phony democracies. These are not real uh, republics. These are not governments of the people. What he stressed on and what Jumhuri means, Jumhuri means the masses, the majority, the dominant majority. And therefore that form of government, the Islamic or Jumhuriya Islami, if I want to use the, the Farsi word, which is also an Arabic word, Jumhuriya Islami means the government of the masses uh, with and by the standards of Islam. That should be the, the form of government. In other words, people should choose to govern themselves based on Islam. So this is the form of government. People governing themselves based on Islam. He stressed that this Jumhuri part, now that we've understood, it's not just having elections. Right? At the time of the Prophet, there weren't these forms of elections. This is a superficial change. What makes an Islamic government an Islamic government and the Jumhuri part of an Islamic government is the involvement in the choice of the masses. The masses choosing what Islam says, wanting what Islam says, and going by that. If the masses don't want to choose Islam, then Islam says, 
they have not chosen me, a minority cannot enforce me over the majority. This is from Islam. This is not imposed on Islam from any outside source. God says in Surah Al-Hadid that uh, He sent prophets and messengers bilhuda with guidance. And this is لِيَقُومَ النَّاسُ بِالْقِسْطِ For the people to rise in justice. People need to choose this. Prophets guided. The authority of the prophets is God giving the people the guidance that this prophet knows what's best for you. Follow him for your own good. He is not leading you, guiding you, commanding you for his benefit. He's guiding you for your benefit. He's showing you the path. And therefore, for your prosperity, you need to follow that. But you need to choose that. This is what's good for you. If you want good for yourself, choose this as individuals then as nations. Come to the understanding that you need to choose this. So the Republic part or the Jumhuri part comes from Islam. It's not imposed on Islam. It was not developed. It was not taken from the East or the West. To move away from this is either moving towards the Tahajjur, the Stone Age Islam, the conservative Islam, to say that, oh, we the scholars know what's right and what's wrong, people should not be involved. The Quran says, أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ People don't know, people don't know. Echoing what Western so-called democracies and their founding fathers said when they were putting their constitutions together, why they made it in the form of, for instance, in some cases, parliamentary systems where people don't actually choose their governors. They choose a bunch of representatives and then a twisted system is put there where the outcome, the net result of the parliamentary system is choosing and having a prime minister, a person who governs, that is not really uh, the one the people want and is not governing based on the way that the people want. People participate in elections, but they don't get what they wanted and what they want. Or in the U.S. system, the electoral colleges and read up on the reason why there are electoral colleges this notion that the people don't understand in the context of the discussion on uh, government and the role of the people in government, those who in the form of, uh, in a language sounding like we are defending Islam, but it's actually the status quo and understanding that is status quo, the understanding that is conservative, the understanding that does not go back to the sources, the understanding that is convenient, the, the understanding that the understanding that is going to feed the desires of some. There's multiple reasons why 
this view is not from Islam. This view that people don't have a role. Yes, the Quran says, أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ That is very true. And if we were discussing those verses and trying to have an understanding, would understand why God has said that. But that does not mean people are not supposed to be making choices of their own. And people as nations collectively should not have a choice in government. We know better. We should... Uh, disguise that, deceive them in thinking what they're getting what they want, but we know what's better for them, we'll do what we know is best. That ideology does not stem from Islam. That is tahajjur. Certain even scholars had that view and have that view. That's not from Islam. Khomeini said, Jumhuri is from Islam. People must be involved in deciding their own destiny. The Qur'an tells us that. لِيَقُومَ النَّاسُ بِالْقِسْطِ Imam Khomeini emphasized that. And moving away from that is going to be moving towards either that form of Islam or it's moving towards the other form of Islam, the American Islam. This needs to be noted. It sounds like, well, the American Islam, it's all about democracy. Well, they, they No, it's actually the same deception that the Americans have in their democracies, the Westerners and Americans, the democracy they promote, the democracy they export, the same deception that occurs there is found in the voices of those that were part of the government in Iran post-revolution that were pushing towards something other than what Imam Khomeini was saying. Bazargan and Yazdi, these two main some of the main major figures at the time of the uh, council of the, the government that, that was put in place, the temporary government that was put in place by Imam Khomeini to govern matters until elections come through. Uh, they were responsible to uh, set up the referendum for the form of government afterwards other elections until there was a government, a prime minister or a president or whatever the form of government was going to be superficially. Until people vote for that and their voices are heard, there needs to be something temporary. The main figures that were there that were westernized, either French educated in the case of Bazargan or American educated, educated in, the, in the case of uh, Yazdi, these figures were pushing something other than the Islamic Republic that Imam Khomeini was saying, or Jumhuri Islami that Imam Khomeini was saying, they were taking their views from Western. They acted and seemed by many to be religious as well. They were Muslim, they were uh, practicing. Uh, they had books on Islam. They were known as people who were leading the MSAs in the US. They were promoting Western terms like the Democratic Republic and other terms that they used. They had the same deception that the Western governments have. How? What's the evidence of that? They said we want the people's involvement. But when people elected representatives to put together the Constitution after the referendum where the people casted their votes, all close to 100% of the people, the dominant majority, over 98% of the people 
in Iran voted for the form of Islamic Republic. Now there were elections to elect representatives to compose a constitution that will be a constitution for the Islamic Republic, that form of government. The form is already, uh, people have already voted for that. So we know the form is Islamic Republic. The constitution needs to be a constitution that can be considered, it can be alien to the idea of Islamic Republic. You can't call it a form of Islamic government, Islamic Republic, and then in the constitution, something totally different. But people were involved in that process. First, they elected their representatives to compose a constitution. Afterwards, the constitution that was put together and composed was supposed to be published as it was, and enough time given for people to have discussions, to read it, to think about it, then a referendum on that constitution, whether people, do you want this constitution or do you want another constitution? That was the process. When the people elected their representatives, Bazargan and Yazdi, who saw that the majority of those elected were actually people that were like-minded in terms of, uh, or they had similar views, and they followed Imam Khomeini. And the westernized people, western-educated people that wanted western ideals and used Islamic terms, they weren't there. Well, they weren't too happy about that. Worst of all is this, that when that council, these are representatives that have been elected by the people, the people wanted these people. And the discussions were pretty public too. The majority, one of those, and they're waiting for the results. When they saw that the discussions of that council uh, led to the idea of wulaatul faqih, that this government needs to have a faqih that guides it whenever any official starts moving off of the direction, the course of Islam, it's that faqih that is supposed to stop them if the people want to move in the wrong direction, it's the faqih that is supposed to speak to them, convince them, and tell them this is the wrong path, don't go down this path. And all the power is under the guidance of one faqih. When the discussions went in that direction, which is what, what comes from Islam, this is what we have in Islam. People need to govern themselves based on Islam in order to make sure that it is Islam, what they're moving towards, they need to have one faqih in the time where we don't have the imams or the prophet, when it's the prophet and the imams, where they're ma'sumin, they are the ones that are most qualified. In the absence, in a sense, of the prophet and the ma'sum imams, there needs to be one person that is closest to them in terms of their understanding, in terms of their piety, that makes sure that this government is following what Islam says, following what, Quran, what the Qur'an says. When they started discussing this, now the people have elected these officials, Bazargan and Yazdi and their fellows, they started moving towards and uh, working towards dissolving the council. Well, the people elected these officials. The majority wanted these people to do this. You as a minority, five, ten people, want to use the power that was given to you by the masses led by Imam Khomeini. They brought you to power. You want to use that to 
cripple the will of the people, to cut off the will of the people, to contradict and conflict with the will of the people, to shut down and shoot down and choke the will of the people? That's exactly what the Western democracies and republics do. It's called a democracy. We see that. So straying from the republic part, the jumhuri part, straying from the idea that the people need to govern themselves, they need to choose, and the choice they need to make is Islam. Straying from this is either moving towards one wrong way of Islam that Imam Khomeini preached against, or the other wrong way of Islam that Imam Khomeini preached against. The greatest instance, the greatest application that Imam Khomeini led towards in the context of that first point, Muhammadan Islam. Let's move towards pure Muhammadan Islam. The most important aspect or instance of that was the Islamic Republic, Jumhuriya Islami. This was most important. Why? Because this is what safeguards and brings to society the ways of Islam, the benefits of Islam. That combination, okay, that very combination. Islam has all the solutions. It has, this is a fact. Wallah, this is a fact. Islam has all the solutions. If we refer to Islam itself, the Quran itself, the Sunnah of the Prophet handed down to us by the Ahlul Bayt, Salamullah alayhim ajma'in, has all the solutions until the day of judgment. That's why Halal Muhammadin Halalun illa yawm al qiyamah. It has all the solutions. One of the solutions is that while Islam has that solution, the only way that society, that mankind, that nations can reap those benefits is if they choose those solutions. If they choose, they see it and they choose it. That's Islamic Republic. Jumhuriya Islami. Any people that see that truth, see Islam as the way of life, the correct way of life that presents solutions that will help not this individual or that individual, all people, it's a solution for everyone, all walks of life, the best solutions that could have ever been given for individuals and societies together. It does not crush the individual for socialist or societal purposes, and it doesn't destroy society for individualistic liberties and benefits. It helps all prosper. Any nation, any people, who realize that and adopt that, they choose it, 
they will reap the benefits. If a nation does not choose it, does not see it, even if the best leader comes and uses the sword, which that is against Islam, that will be contradicting if, however, we, uh, this would not be Islam, but if, if someone would come and force this as a form of government on a people who don't know that Islam is such, Islam it has that quality, they haven't been convinced and therefore they haven't chosen that. They have not chosen that. If that happens, then that will not benefit anyone. It will not benefit that leader, and it won't benefit those people. It will only benefit if the people see it and choose it. This is an extremely important Islamic teaching, both of those, that Islam is, guides us in regards to all aspects of life, and that in order for nations to reap the benefits, they need to choose it, that teaching is extremely important on a macro level, on a global level. This was Imam Khomeini, this is what he led, and obviously in the context of Iran. But this message is Islamic and is global. The last thing I would like to say is that Anyone who admires Imam Khomeini because of who he was, and this is who he was. These were some of the most important aspects of what Imam Khomeini led towards his leadership. Anyone who admires him, anyone who admires Islam, we need to know that this teaching of Islam is something we need to move towards we need to promote, it needs to become a global understanding. I hope that this is not sounding or seeming to the audience as uh, a uh, ambitious, dream-like uh, slogan that a speaker is giving. This is not the intention, this is not the way it it is viewed, certainly by myself who I'm speaking. What I'm saying and suggesting is very real and it's a path we need to uh, start on and move towards that destination. It's not something that we can uh, dream of having uh, tomorrow or the next day. It's something that if we come to a common understanding in regards to, and we should, we will start moving in that direction and we'll start, we'll start thinking how we can do this. But the idea is this, to get the people of the globe to understand that Islam has the solutions and if they collectively, the people, if we all choose Islam to govern ourselves based on Islamic teachings, First of all, we take governance into our own hands. We can't allow others to impose their views on us in whatever name, in the name of liberal democracy, in the name of whatever other form of democracy or republic or whatever term is used. Okay, We cannot allow any longer, because it's happening. It is happening. 
Most of the globe is suffering from this. People need to understand, firstly, that you're responsible for your own destiny collectively. You as people, every individual that forms society and forms the global society, this one human race nation that we have on earth, every single one of us is responsible to make sure that we choose our own destiny. Nobody deceives us into thinking that they are uh, choosing things based on what we see, whereas they go in and they do whatever they want and they don't care about what we say, which is essentially not us governing ourselves. That's number one. And secondly, if we are to govern ourselves, how are we going to cover, govern ourselves? What are, what are our values? What does justice mean? What does equality mean? What are the legal extensions of the idea of equality and justice in terms of gender, in terms of race, in terms of resources, in terms of everything? It's very important fundamental questions. Where do we get those from? Whose philosophy are we going to go by? A human philosophy or a divine philosophy? God's teachings or this person or that person's thoughts which are so limited. The people of the world, if we want to see prosperity on a global scale, the people of the world need to realize that they are the ones that need and are responsible to govern themselves. Firstly, and we need to and once we move in that direction, we need to have this conversation if we are to govern ourselves based on what ideology, what philosophy, what legal system, what value system are we to govern ourselves on a global scale. We need to realize that this structure of government is falling apart where you have one country here, another country there. As within these countries, even the idea of multiple states and a federal government is really sort of playing around with things. It is one government. It is one system. But even the idea that uh, crossing the border into Canada or Mexico or between these European countries or African countries or South American countries or whatever, whatever part of the world, you're entering a different government this is changing. It has already changed. World powers have not allowed people to make their own decisions in other regions that are far from their own governments, like the United States, like the British government, like the French, the Spaniards. They went to all these different parts of the world, and they are still deciding in their security council what they call the United Nations, where they've given themselves special privileges. They are on the security council. Everybody else gets a small, short term, but besides that, they are the ones that call the shots. And some of them have uh, veto power in the security council. And what they, the rest of the world can say whatever they want. In the General Assembly, you can say whatever you want, but what's going to fly with the UN is what those powers do, and they are a block of power. They are working together 
They want to decide what happens in all corners of the earth. And we need to realize that that is the direction that the earth is taking. And so we are all one people. And we need to all collectively come to an understanding. Otherwise, if we can't see eye to eye in this regard, these differences will be used by those who want to reap the benefits of the world, the resources of the world, the human resources of the world for themselves. They will use that, confuse us, deceive us in the name of democracy or in the name of a republic. They will be feeding their own pockets, their own desires, their own interests. If we as the people realize our responsibility to govern ourselves collectively and we realize that the only real solution that will bring prosperity to all justice and equality to all and will build the earth instead of destroying it as we are moving in the path of we're moving in the path of destruction the only solution is islam this is a real this is a fact anyone who has understood this needs to understand understand it more fundamentally more deeply and then we need to get to work this legacy of Imam Khomeini, which we say it's the legacy of Imam Khomeini because it's as though he brought it to this world. Whereas, as we said, he didn't bring it. That's not his ideology. That's from Islam. God gave us that guidance. Islam gave us that guidance. The Prophet and his Ahlul Bayt, his household, they gave us this guidance. But unfortunately, it was buried and Imam Khomeini dug it up from beneath layers of dust thick layers of clay and dust that had buried it he dug it back up this is Islam's teaching for us and Imam Khomeini was a divine leader Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly guided him we need to continue that not continue it in the context of Iran. We need to continue that Islamic teaching that started there and we were able to learn of it because of that great revolution and that great leader. We need to continue it on a global scale. People all across the globe need to understand their responsibility in regards to the future of the globe and all of us all all together, collectively, our decisions do matter. Our inactiveness, us not taking people generally, all of us, not taking our responsibility seriously, letting others make decisions for us has led us to the status quo, the path, we are on the path of destruction as we said. People of the globe need to understand this. All of us need to understand this. That we need to take our governance into our own hands. And once we start thinking about that and we start wanting to move in that direction, the big question comes based on what ideology, based on what uh, philosophy, and that's where we need to study 
everything that's there, but those of us who've already done that present their views, and those discussions need to be heard. We understand and know that Islam is the one, the only one, that presents all the answers and all the solutions. That's something we need to promote, and we need to get more and more of us human beings on the face of the globe from the east to the west. Throughout the globe, all of us need to come to this understanding. Those of us who've already understood this need to work based on that teaching. We need to work on getting more and more people together. The masses, the dominant majority of the world deciding to govern themselves and deciding to do so based on Islamic teachings is the only way that the people of the globe will benefit from and prosper as a result of implementing those divine teachings. We hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps us be part of that movement and we hope that He helps us see and gives us life to see the day that that happens inshallah. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen.